So often, the greatest thing keeping us from living the life that God has for us is us. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. When we see how God has set us free as individuals and the church, we are unleashed into a rich, powerful, and full life with Him. As we begin this new year, we are given a choice. Continue to pursue a life playing it safe or a life of fully being unleashed. Join us for this series as we discuss what it takes to be unleashed. Wow, with that kind of beat, I wish I knew how to dance because I would just ruin it up here. Hey, uh, welcome, and to all of you online, welcome, and I want to especially address those of you online because I haven't done that for a while. Thank you for trusting us with your Sunday morning or if you're watching this throughout the week. Isn't it awesome that we have a whole host of people out there at church? So let's give it up for them. And we're grateful. And, and one of the things I want to say, and we've been talking about this as a staff, there, there literally is not a week I go that goes by that I don't have someone when I'm out at a store or somewhere that says, hey, you're Pastor Rob, we watch you, or we watch Pastor John, or the services, thank you. And, and that's wonderful. Um, but we would love to connect with you. So if you could send us an email and let us know how we could pray for you or how we could keep you um, connected because um, we, we love you and we're responsible too for just nurturing that, that heart of yours. Amen, church? So um, if I haven't already had you take my man card, today might be that day. You might have taken it the day that I confessed that I like country music. You might have taken it the day that I confessed I love hanging out at Disneyland. But um, last week, I, uh, it was early. Uh, actually, it wasn't even early evening. It was probably 8, 8.30. Uh, trash needed to be taken out. So at my house, um, you, you get the, the bag, you cinch it up, you throw it over your shoulder, right? But for us, you have to go out the front door. And you walk across the driveway. You got this picture, right? Right past the garage. And then you just make this real quick right to the side gate. And so there's no light on this side, mind you. And it's 8, 8.30 at night. So I've got the trash bag in this hand. And I reach over to unlatch the gate. And you know kind of how you don't feel alone sometimes? Well, all of a sudden, I felt like I wasn't the only one there. And I look out of my left eye, and I kid you not, and I might be exaggerating like it was actually closer, but about five feet away, it caught my eyes. I caught its eyes. Its tail went up. I kid you not, with my arm over here and the bag in this hand, and it staring at me with its tail up. I froze in fear. I did what any grown 53-year-old man would do. I dropped the bag. I turned, and I ran. <laughs> and I didn't just run, right, like to get out of its way. I ran the exact path that I took. I flew through the front door. And I'm standing there like this. My four-year-old comes running in and goes, Dad, what's wrong? And, I'm like, and my wife comes up behind him. And I must look like I had just seen Casper the Friendly Ghost, right? And I'm like, I just saw a skunk. My son has zero compassion. He ripped me to shreds. 
My wife was probably thinking exactly what he was thinking, but she was nice about it. Fear does this to us, doesn't it? Fear causes us to do some of the craziest things. Sometimes it causes us just to run the opposite direction of where we should be. And sometimes it causes us to be paralyzed and stuck. I want to share the opposite of it because we're in a series called Unleashed. And actually, that's our theme for the whole year, Unleashed. And we're talking about faith or fear. So last night, I'm watching television. And I love this time. It only happens every four years. Well, at least for winter, right? It's the Winter Olympics. Does anyone else like the Olympics? I know, you know, some people are like, ah. But I, I like the Olympics. Um, <laughs> praise God, when I had COVID uh, last year, uh, Summer Olympics was on. So as I'm laying there in bed, I got to watch Summer Olympics 24-7. So the Winter Olympics are on. And last night, if you watched, um, it was women's snowboarding. Okay? These women are crazy. They are fearless. And so they just bomb down this hill. They've got this board. And it's so cool because when it was the Americans, women's, I mean, literally, the, the producers were awesome because you'd see them. They wouldn't just show up on the slope in the, in the gate, but you'd see them strap in, right? And I'm just like, they're just nonchalantly strapping in and they scoot over to that gate and then they bomb down this hill and they hit one jump and they hit another. And you and I, we'd be like, maybe just barely going over it, if we even went down it. These girls are launching off it onto rails and onto roofs and on, just crazy. And then they're doing 180s and 360s and 10A. I mean, they're just doing all this craziness. And then they get to the last jump and they're just bombing it down this hill. And if they're still up on their feet, which half of them aren't, they hit this wall, the jump, I think they called it um, the Great Wall. And they hit this thing and they just into the air. And they twirl and they spin and they make breakfast and crochet, you know, and I mean, they're just up there forever. And then boom, they hit. That is a picture that is far greater to have in our image than Pastor Rob running, and I would say like a little girl, but that'd be an insult to a little girl, running from a skunk. Are you with me? I don't want to live that life of fear. I want to live the life of a, of, of a female Olympian snowboarder that's willing to hit the Great Wall and just launch out there. And I think that is why God has put this in my heart for us, because so many of us are living in fear when God wants us to hit that Great Wall and just launch it in faith with him strapped to our feet, quote unquote. Let's pray. God, you're good, and I'm not. You are unbelievable. You're gracious, you're compassionate, you're loving, you're caring, and, and that just begins to scratch the surface of who you are. God, I am praying that today we would be reminded of whose we are and reminded of this whole idea that, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, so that we could launch off the jumps of life and not run from the skunks. God, thank you for this opportunity. We pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in this place. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. So the, the, the theme is unleashed and our verses for this year. 
are found in Hebrews chapter 12, one through three. I wanna encourage you, if you have not begun to memorize this or if you have not already memorized the whole passage, all these verses, then, then I'd encourage you to do so. That would be my heart, is that everybody here in this room and everybody online, that we would memorize God's word and specifically Hebrews chapter 12, one through three, which is our verses for this year. It says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And then it says, and let us run with what? With perseverance, a race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on who? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him, he endured what? He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then it says this, Consider him. Who are we to consider? Jesus. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary, so that you, so that you will not grow weary. And what? And that you won't lose heart. And in some ways, every Sunday, whether it's myself or Pastor John, I think our heart is this, is that we're gonna come alongside you and we hope that this is a battery charger. You know, I don't know about you, but I put my phone on the battery charger every night because it's almost dead. And you put it on that charger and you wake up and it's refreshed, or at least it's stronger than when I placed it on there. I pray, like like, uh, was shared beautifully by Aaron, our worship leader, I pray that you would leave here encouraged. I feel, I I pray that you leave here uh, more filled with courage uh, and faith than you do fear. So with that, at the very beginning, it says we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And I talk about, you know, the Colosseum in our life group. And they're like, that Colosseum with 100,000 seats is packed full of, of, of men and women that have gone before us that chose faith over fear. And there are people that have gone before us and there are people that maybe even be here on this earth right now that are rooting for us. Does that sound awesome? And you think about the Coliseum. I'm actually at breakfast. I go to breakfast every uh, Sunday at Nats to, to get charged up, have a good meal cup of coffee and they always have uh, the news on, but you don't hear anything. But the Coliseum is a little different today. Did you know that? They put an asphalt track in there and I think NASCAR's racing this afternoon in there. You got 100,000 people. Well, probably not because they took out all those seats that if a car goes flying over, probably not a safe thing. <laughs> but picture the Coliseum packed with people that are rooting for you. They're not against you, but they're for you. And then we said, well, what is that great cloud of witnesses? And I always say scripture is the best, best source to inter- interpret scripture. So if you look at chapter 11, you see the hall of faith. You see all these men and women in chapter 11 that have gone before us, that are our great cloud of witnesses. And we've looked at their lives, some of them. We've looked at Abraham, right? We've looked at Noah. Uh, we look at Moses. And then today, we're gonna look at another life that is found in this great hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon. And then he goes on to mention other names that are sitting in that stand as a great cloud of witnesses. Gideon is who we wanna look at today as we close our series. Do you know anything about Gideon? (laughs) If you do, praise God. But if you don't, I pray that you'll learn a lot more about his life. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Having just preached it, I'm not even going to scratch the surface. 
Go home and read Judges chapter 6 and chapter 7, and you're going to get all the details. But we're going to scratch the surface about this, this amazing man's life, how he chose faith over fear, and what are some things that we could learn from that. Are you ready? So if you're taking notes, write down number one, review. So we're just going to review uh, his, his life a little bit, this, give a, a little setting here, uh, set, the, set the stage, give the foundation. Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Did you catch that? The Israelites did what? They did evil. Does that surprise you? <laughs> it shouldn't because it's cyclical in their lifestyle. You know, they would love God and then they would be disobedient, and then God would send someone to kind of wake them up, and then they'd love God, and then they were disobedient. Does that sound a little familiar? Maybe kind of like our life too, okay? So, so the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Now, that might sound a little bit familiar because the Midianites are from Midian, and Midian is where we talked about Moses. Remember Moses last week? Moses, uh, filled with anger, he committed this uh, horrific act where he killed the Egyptian, and then uh, he, he, in regret and shame and guilt, fleed and ran to a place called Midian, and he sat by the, the, well, uh, the well there, not the W-H-A-L-E, but the W-E-L-L. So he sat there. So this is, this is the Midianites. Verse 2, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. Do you get the picture here? These Midianites aren't nice people. They were smashing grabbers before, well, we'll just leave it there. They came up with their livestock and, and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or the camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. They invaded, what was their intent? To ravage it. Median, uh, median so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for what? They cried out for the Lord. So here's God's chosen people. Moses is sent to pull them out of slavery, to pull them out of the heavy hand of the Egyptians, to pull them out of hopelessness. Moses does that, and they have 40 years of good, healthy years. But then they turn their, their hearts back to themselves. They turn themselves to the evil ways. They're disobedient to God, as, as what we, we read at the, in verse 1. And now they're living seven years of H-E double hockey sticks, Right? They're, they're right back in the mess. And you just saw it. These Midianites were out to get them. They would, they would grow and take care of all the livestock and all the produce. And, and then, and then they, they just come down and they say, thank you. So they're the recipients of all the hard work of the Israelites. They did no work and got everything. And there's so much I can say about that in today's culture, but we won't. But, <laughs> but think about this. Think about it. Verse 7, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, duh. That's what I would have done. But instead, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the Lord uh, God of Israel says. I, do you remember? I brought you out of Egypt. Do you, do you remember that? And out of the land of slavery? Yeah, 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 that was me. Again, God would not speak like that, just me. 
I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of the oppressors. I drove them out before you and, and I gave them your land. Do, do you remember that? I said to you, I am the Lord your God. And by the way, do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. <laughs> but, but, but what did he say? But you haven't listened to me. Like, guys, I've done all this stuff for you. All of this stuff. Here's just a short list of what I've, this is just a short list of what I've done for you. And let me remind you, let me remind you, you're the ones that aren't choosing to listen. Church, we could close the book right here, right now, right? And we could walk out of here with a message that God has for each of our hearts. Because as much as sometimes I like to pick on the Israelites, I am one of them. I walk in obedience, and then I find myself walking in disobedience. And then I change, and I'm walking in obedience, and then I find myself walking in disobedience. Paul said it this way in Romans, I think it was six, I, I do the things that I know I should not do or ought not do. I don't get it. Do you? Well, if you're taking notes, write down this. Number two is trapped. See, the Israelites had just come off 40 good years, like I told you. It's a season where the Israelites are not being ruled by a king. They're being ruled by judges that are just kind of helping them to stay on track. But then, kind of like the women yesterday, but in a negative way, they were going downhill fast. They were going downhill fast. A slippery slope consumed with themselves. I always like to think of the book of Haggai and the prophet. He talked about all you're concerned about is building your own paneled houses. Now that you've arrived here safely, you guys are all concerned about everything about you and not about me. You've put God kind of on the back burner. That's a temptation for us, isn't it? Where it's like, okay, I'm good now. All right, God, you, you sit back there. I got this. And then you go, ah, crud. Maybe I don't. <laughs> right? So this is kind of what's going on. Um, <laughs> seven years. It's like they went back to Egypt, but they're not back in Egypt. They're back under the heavy hand of oppression. They're back under their, their own leadership. They're back. And you know what I think is even worse? And I, I thought about this. I didn't even think about it until I preached it last service. But what was probably worse than the disobedience, as if that's not bad enough, but from God's perspective, it's not only were they disobedient, but they were worshiping other gods. <laughs> it's like, wait a second, I'm the one that did all this for you, and now you're going to worship all these false gods? I don't get it. You see, the Midianites are doing to the Israelites what the Rams did to the 49ers last week. <laughs> they put a whooping on them. They put a whooping on them. And they were just going to continue to do that. But remember, they brought it upon themselves. 
I'm amazed, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but I'm amazed at week after week how many people are like, I'm not sure why God is doing this to me. And, and, and please hear me, I, I use the same language at times, but can I say in love? And again, let me say this, God could do anything he wants at any time. Are we in agreement on that? He's God. But because of free will, he's chosen to step back a lot more than we think. And we blame him for a lot of stuff that he has absolutely nothing to do with, but he'll work in it. Does that make sense? And so I could see, you know, the Israelites, oh, poor woe is me, da, da, da. And we're going to look at Gideon, and he's going to find himself, poor woe is me, da, da, da. why me, God? And God's like, wait a second, I had nothing to do with it. You're here because of your choices. Which leads me to number two, trapped. Trapped. So many of us are trapped because of our choices or other people's choices. And that's okay. I mean, it's, it is what it is. But like last week with Moses and we learned about his life, I said, rise above your bad start. Rise above the mess that you've created. Rise above into the place where God has called you to be, Amen. That's where we get excited. That's where we're not letting skunks dictate our life, but we're just launching off of the great wall that God has put us in and we're flying through life knowing that God has our back and I have no idea how I'm gonna land this crazy job, but God has got me. And that's the story of Gideon. He's gonna launch. But we always gotta remember Judges 6.1, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and for seven years he gave he gave them into the hands of the midnight. He's just like, all right, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Have you ever done that as a parent? God does not wipe out everyone in this moment because what we learned the first week with Noah, right? There was so much evil all the time, it said, in the people's hearts. And so he goes, I'm going to get rid of everybody except for Noah and his family. And we know that whole story. And if you don't, go back online and check out that sermon. I think it was three or four weeks ago. But what's wonderful is at the end of that, he made a promise, didn't he? And we learned that if God says something, he's going to do it. And he made a promise, I'm never going to bring this flood again and wipe out everyone because of their disobedience. They should be praising God for that promise because I think if I was God, I'd be like, all right, let's do this again. <laughs> Fast forward to 2022 in America. Just praise God that I'm not God. Can you say amen to that? And likewise, can I say amen that you're not God? Because some of you got that red button. You're ready to push it. So many of us are trapped because of our own choices, but you have not listened to me is what God says to us. Let's continue in the story. Judges 6, 11, and 12. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under a, an oak and, and that belonged to Joash and where, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Do you have this picture in your mind? When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So here is Gideon. Gideon is a farm boy. Can you say farm boy? And if you were raised in the Midwest, this is nothing against you, farm boy, you know? Um, but I find it ironic that two days in a row, I'm teaching about farming. So yesterday at the men's breakfast, which was awesome, uh, we had an awesome breakfast, and then I was asked to speak about the parable of the sower. And I, I told them, I said, it's so funny, because I know nothing about this stuff. But I did a lot of studying, and, and, and so I'm preaching on farming. And then now here we are again. We got farm boy. 
He's threshing wheat. I'm going to be honest. I'm in my office threshing wheat. Like, what's that? I want to just tell you, I'm an expert now. You know why? I asked Siri. And just to make sure Siri was right, I asked Alexa. So I know it all. And I'm not going to pass that information on to you, but I do know this. If you're going to be doing threshing wheat, you're not down in the valley in a wine press. You're up and out. So that you'll catch any kind of breeze to help you in that process. And as a matter of fact, as I read, some of the best threshing happens on a hillside, uh, top of the hill. And then the wind just kind of breezes in and does all the, all the magic there. But what did we just read? Farm boy is threshing wheat where? Wine press. Aren't you supposed to be smashing grapes there? Making some fine wine? So you go on Shark Tank and present? Now, this is my personal opinion. And you could take it or leave it, but engage your brain with this. I'm thinking if you think about the context of what I shared about the Midianites just being these evil people, just trying to wreak havoc on everything and steal everything and take advantage of everything. Is it possible that Gideon is hiding and doing what he's doing, not in the most effective way, but in a way that whatever he produces, he gets to keep and it's not stolen because he's not out in the open. So if that's true, then Gideon is afraid. He's like Pastor Rob with the skunk. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying we know that there's fear perhaps going on in his body, which I think is important for us to understand because we have that too, don't we? Because of some of the exterior stuff that's going on in this world, we too find ourselves trapped, some of us with fear. You read the story, and, and, and it's, it's, it's wonderful because at the verse 12, it says about Gideon, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Gideon, you don't have to be afraid because you are not alone. Does that mean anything to any of you? You don't have to be afraid because you're, you're not alone. And this leads me to the third point. Write this down. God's perspective. I love this. You see, Gideon is just a farm boy, but God is saying what? You're a mighty warrior. Did you catch that? He's just a farm boy. You could see him have a little bit of wheat, not weed, wheat hanging out of his mouth. Farm boy. And God is saying, I am with you and you, Gideon, are a mighty warrior. And I think that is so important for us today because so many of ourselves look at ourselves through our lens and not the lens of God and we're shortchanging ourselves because all of you are much better than you think you are. And I don't mean the arrogant, prideful woman or man that's sitting there going, oh, look at me, look at me. That No, that's a whole nother topic of pride and arrogance. But I think it's prideful and arrogant of us to think of ourselves less than we ought to. Because when I read scripture, the Bible says that you and I are created in the image of who? We are created in the image of who? 
We are created in the image of God Almighty. Don't you forget that. The devil does not want you to remind yourself of the fact that you're all that in a bag of chips. He does not want you to know that you are made in the image of God, that you're wonderfully made in the image of God. And so many of us are selling ourselves short. I will promise you this, every week, I am sharing this message with men and women, grown men and women, that when they look at themselves in the mirror, they don't see God's beautiful creation. They see shame that says, I am something bad. They see guilt that says, I done something bad. They see regret. And if that breaks my heart, it breaks the heart of God because we're allowing that to define us as opposed to God's truth of who we are to define us. And if we're playing that tape and that CD or that playlist in our hearts and mind, don't you think that's gonna lead to some actions that are more driven by fear than faith? Yes? You see, God's perspective is so important. Gideon, afraid, disappointed, maybe even hopeless, maybe even angered, as we will see some of his words and his interaction with God. Where Gideon just sees a farm boy, God sees a mighty warrior. And may I suggest the same is true of your life? Oh, no, no, that's just the Hall of Faith people. That was Noah and Abraham and Rahab the prostitute and Mary and other. No, 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 it's you too. It's you too. That's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for. He doesn't do that for garbage. He does it because he loves you. You're precious. You're valuable. The last thing, the last thing that Gideon needed to do was play his tape over God's tape. Gideon was hiding and avoiding the enemy instead of exposing his heart and his mind to his creative creator. God's perspective of us is what matters most. Do you believe that? God is our biggest fan. He is in our corner. He knows that you're gonna fail. He knows that you're gonna make mistakes. But just like he told Gideon, I'm still there for you and will be mighty warrior. I don't know if this happens anymore on people's refrigerators, but this meant something back in the day. Your picture is on his refrigerator. He's proud of you. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse six and eight. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. What does never mean? Never means never. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Now listen, the Lord himself goes before you and will what? 
and will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never leave you and nor will he forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And those words weren't just for Joshua. Those words are for us today. And all God's people said, whatever it is that is battling you right now, whatever it is that you've caused or other people have caused, whatever mess that you're in, whatever valley you're there, pressing wine when you shouldn't be, quote unquote, you're hiding. God is saying, I got you. I'm here with you on the mountaintop. I'm here with you in the valley. You need to claim it. You need to draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And together we're going to take this. And I don't know what this this is. Because some of us are, are this is we're struggling to climb the corporate ladder because we're more concerned about what men and women think about us than what God thinks about us. We're, we're, some of us were struggling with the opposite sex, trying to impress them because we're more concerned about what they think of us than what God thinks of us or the world with the possessions that we have or the, the, the awards that we accumulate or the zeros that go behind the numbers in the bank account. And God is saying, take a rest, slow down. It's not about them. It's about you and I. Strap me to your feet, quote unquote, and let's go take whatever hill it is. And we're going to fly and we're going to enjoy life. And you don't have to worry about all the stuff that you are worried about. Judges chapter 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, and I love this, he's going to go, wee, wee, wee. why has all this happened? Why are all the wonders of the ancestors told us about that they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midians? The Lord turned to him and said, get out of here. You drive me nuts. No, the Lord said to him, go in the strength you have and save Israel. Like he doesn't even deal with it, right? He doesn't even let, he doesn't do anything other than like, Okay, I listen to you, but go in strength. Go in strength. You haven't saved Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? Back to the wham, wham, wham. My clan is the weakest, and I'm the least of my family. Which leads to the fourth point, our fear. We default to our own filter, to our own lenses. We default to the glasses we look through. Then we start blaming we start questioning, we start accusing. God's big enough to handle it all. And he says, I got you. And you know what Gideon says? No, you don't. Right? God says, I got you. And Gideon's like, no, you don't. What's funny is he's, he's more afraid of the Midianites than he is God Almighty. <laughs> But at least he's got the guts to go, I don't believe you. Well, praise God, I'm not God, because I'd strike him dead, but God doesn't. And we see over and over again. You look at Judges 6, 16. The Lord answered, I'll be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offerings and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. I'm in my office and I read that and I'm, I, I, I stopped. I'm just going to be honest. 
God is so good. And write that down. Uh, the fifth point is God is patient. Like, here's Gideon whining. God's like, you're a mighty warrior. You think you're a farm boy. You're filled with fear, and I want you to be filled with faith. I've listened to some of your whining and complaining. Now I'm told you, let's go. And you're like, God, can, can we make sure this is you talking? And you know what God said? Okay. So what I want you to do, God, is I'm going to put some fleece out, and, and um, I'm going to go check it in the morning. If it's, if it's all wet and then dry all around it, then I know you spoke God said, okay. He played that game. Because he woke up in the morning, the fleece was wet, and everything around it was dry, right? You're like, oh, all right, Gideon, let's go. Gideon, oh my gosh. He's like, thank you, God, but can I ask another favor? Can we do that again, but just the opposite way? Because I, I just really need to make sure. Remember different stoves? What you talk about, Willis? What you talk about, Gideon? What, what did God do? He did it. Fleece dry, wet all around it. Gideon's like, all right. So Gideon, and you're going to read this all, okay? Gideon, you're going to read it in chapters, end of chapter 6 and chapter 7. Basically what happens is Gideon puts together an army of 32,000. Then you read the scripture and God says, eh, let's, let's whittle that down. Gideon's like, 32,000 against 120,000, that's four to one. We're already in trouble. God goes, yeah, but this isn't about you, it's about me. <laughs> so we go from 32,000 to an army of 10,000. It's like, ah, this is not good. 10 to one, right? 12 to one. Then God's like, you know what? Since you had so much fun with me, let me have some fun with you. <laughs> that's not in scripture, that's just me. <laughs> He's like, why don't you guys take all the army down there to the water and just see how they drink? What? Yeah, those that get on all fours and lap it like a dog, and then those that, you know, bring the water to their mouth. I want to see who does what. Brings the army down there. 300 of them drink politely. God says, that's your army. And Gideon's like, ah, crud. That's a loose translation. 300 against 120,000. And the only thing that these men had in common other than being men is they knew how to politely drink. They went to cotillion, right? And yet there's more. 300 against 120,000. They line up. They're going to get their weapons. All right, at least we're going to get machine guns, nuclear, you know, something, lightsabers, you know. (laughs) At least a sword. What does he give them? A trumpet? And an empty jar. <laughs> I was joking first service. At least that jar could have some good liquor in it so I could get drunk before I get killed, right? You know? An empty jar. And then the game plan, you're going to go read it all. Late at night, it's time to battle. They go and crush these jars. It makes so much loud noise, confusion. The, the other army, the enemy, they wake up. They, they start killing each other because they're confused. And guess who wins? God. God wins. That's a story of faith over fear, isn't it? Nothing in that story makes sense other than God is who he says he is. And Gideon, praise God, believed. 
The last point was in what I just shared is a little could be a lot. We look at ourselves as nobodies, but God sees us as somebodies. He just asks of us that we would trust him. The application, I have a few questions to close with. What has you trapped today? Secondly, do you see yourself as a farm boy or a warrior? Three, have you thanked God for his patience with you? Four, will you claim this truth? You don't have to be a somebody special to do something special. You don't have to be somebody special to do something special. Thank you, Gideon, for teaching me a great life lesson today. Father, we love you. We praise you. We lift your name up. We give you all the glory. We give you all of our fear. Help us to not run from skunks and be paralyzed in fear, but help us launch off the great wall with you strapped to our feet. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.